Well, I had a conversation with my wife uh, just after Thanksgiving, and we were talking about Christmas gift ideas, and she said, what do you really want? And I said, you know, I am nervous to just start this process because I know what's going to happen. I honestly feel like I'm pretty content right now, honey, but as soon as I start looking at stuff... I'm going to get the gimmies something fierce, and there's going to be all sorts of things that I just want, but I know I need to tell dad something, I know I need to tell my sister something, so I'll get some hints together, and of course, sure enough, oh goodness, I've got a list. (laughs) You only laugh if it applies to you, and those of you who aren't laughing are just proud, Uh, okay? Here's the deal. What do we really need? What do we really need for Christmas? What I hope to do in our Christmas series is to show you that the answer is Jesus. You need Jesus in all of his divinely revealed roles as prophet, priest, and king. Now today we're going to talk about Jesus as prophet, and let me say this, this is how we'll get into things this morning. Jesus says in Matthew 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Friends, that's a shocking statement. You need food. You know you need food. But do you know what you need just as much? Do you know what you need, not just for Christmas, but for every day? You need God to speak to you. You need the Word of God. Now, maybe you're not with me. Maybe you're like, yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm asking that you would hang with me. I'm asking that you would hang with me because I want to show you this morning and I'm asking that you that you would give me your ear because I want to show you this morning this really is what you need. So what we find when we open our Bible in the first pages of scripture is that God is a speaking God. Genesis 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Our God speaks. Our God did not think, let there be light. Our God spoke, let there be light. But even more germane to our point this morning is that God speaks to humanity. After creating our first parents, Adam and Eve, God did not leave them to themselves. He revealed himself to them. 127, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, 
And have dominion over all the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God spoke his word to them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. What is he saying? He's saying, you're my representatives. You're my image bearers. You're my ambassadors. You are to reflect and spread my glory by multiplying and exercising dominion over the earth in a way that reflects my character and goodness. So they weren't in the dark. They weren't in the dark about who they were and they weren't in the dark about their purpose and they weren't in the dark about how they were to relate to him. 2.15 And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may eat of every fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat of it you will die. What is this? Well, it's provision. It's provision. You may eat of every tree. That's provision. It's also command. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. It's provision, but it's command, and this command, friends, is far from arbitrary. This command represents a question of fundamental importance, and it's this. Will Adam and Eve live under the rule of the Word of God? God has spoken to them. God has revealed himself to them. God has given his commands to them. Will they place themselves under his lordship and submit to him? So God is speaking. Isn't that incredibly clear? God speaks. But the thing is, God wasn't the only voice in the garden. The serpent spoke too. 3.1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, just a word of explanation here. The serpent is Satan. Satan has taken on the form of a serpent here. And if you don't know much about the Bible, Satan is a created being, an angel, who in eternity past rebelled against God's kingship. He rebelled against God's kingship. He was cast out of the heavenly courts. He will one day be cast into the lake of fire, fully and finally destroyed. But ever since his rebellion, and ever until his final defeat, he has made it his aim to bring with him as many as possible into cosmic rebellion against God's rule and reign. And that is actually what's going on right here. He is speaking to the end that Adam and Eve might rebel against God. And so there are multiple voices in the garden. God's voice and the serpent's. Who will they listen to? Our parents listen to the serpent. 
Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took up its fruit and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Adam and Eve gave gave heed to the serpent's voice. Adam and Eve rebelled against God's lordship. This is actually the entrance of sin into the world. If it was a movie, it would be on slow-mo, and the music would be dramatic, and it would be incredibly well done, and you'd say, oh my goodness, that just happened. You see the immediate effects of this in that their innocence is gone. They were naked, but now there's guilt and there's shame, so they must cover up. But there's so much more. This is the entrance of all that is broken and hurtful and hard and hateful in the world and in your own heart. Listening to the serpent's voice is where unforgiveness comes from. It's where sexual sin comes from. It's where manipulating spouses come from or passive spouses or abusive spouses. It's where lying comes from. It's where greed, jealousy, drunkenness comes from. Pick your poison. It all comes from this moment. But worst of all, this is where separation from God comes from. They were cast out of the garden. An angel with a flaming sword was placed at the entrance to prevent their re-entrance. Their relationship with God is severed because they listened to the voice of the serpent. They submitted to the wrong voice. And the end of it all is death. Physical death, yes, but more than that, spiritual death. This separation from the presence of God in the garden pictures separation from him eternally in a place the Bible calls hell. We just zoom out for just a minute. I want to say one thing about God and I want to say a few things about the serpent. About God. His intention from the very beginning is not to be a vague, mysterious, unknown God. Praise God. His intention is not to be vague, mysterious, and unknown. He spoke to our first parents. Praise God. But sin, though, has made a separation between us and God. The reason he's mysterious to us is because our sin, not just Adam and Eve's, our sin, your sin, my sin, has put distance between us. That's why he's mysterious. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Now about the serpent. Maybe if you're honest, you're thinking, you know, why on earth would would our parents listen to this jokester? (laughs) I mean, if they heard the word of God directly, Why would they listen to the serpent? Well, let me just tell you, he is a smart hombre and he knows how to deceive. First of all, not everything he said was untrue. 
God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Friends, that's true. Of course, he doesn't say the consequences of all that because he is a master at half-truths and a master at showing the bait and hiding the hook. That's number one. They listened because not everything he said was untrue. He showed the bait, but he hid the hook. Two, the thrust of his whole appeal was geared to get them to think that God was holding out on them. God just doesn't want you to have the good stuff. I'm offering you the good stuff. Friends, Satan is a master at making you think poorly of God. Satan is a master of making you think that God is a heavenly miser like Ebenezer Scrooge. And he just wants everything for himself. And then three. He appeals to a powerful instinct inside all of us. Human autonomy. Be your own God. You don't have to do what God says. You can do whatever you want to do. You should be free from his arbitrary, moral, silly, dumb, restrictive restraints. I hope you can see why it was easy for them to listen. Frankly, if we were there, we would have done the same thing. And in our lives, we have done the same thing. Not a one of us has not listened to the voice of the serpent. And so we too are separated from him. And so I hope you can see that what you really need is for him to speak to you. He is your creator. He is the life giver, and you are separated from him. Oh, my word, we need him to speak and bridge this gap. And praise God, he does. He speaks through the prophets. By the way, if you're using the sermon outline, I I just went from point one to point two, if you want some help in where we are and where we're going. He speaks through the prophets. Prophet, somebody to whom God reveals himself, and then he in turn speaks God's word to his people. The greatest prophet of all, and and probably the best picture, not probably, excuse me, the best picture of the prophetic office is Moses. Now, maybe that's not how you think of Moses if you grew up in church. Maybe you think of him as the one who led Israel out of the wilderness, but he is most definitely the picture of the prophetic office. Just think about it. After Israel comes out of Egypt, they come to Mount Sinai, what happens? Exodus 19, 2. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him there out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so God is speaking again. He's speaking to his people 
through the prophet Moses. And he's revealing himself to them through him. He's revealing his grace. He's calling them to listen to his voice and to give heed to his word. And he's promising life to those who do. And so Moses came and he called the elders of the people and he said before them all these words that the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear and I will speak to you and they also may believe you forever. And so Moses is God's prophet. And Moses stands throughout all the ages actually as the greatest of all prophets. Deuteronomy 34 says, There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And yet for all his magnificence, Moses himself knew that there was a greater prophet yet to come. He said in Deuteronomy 18, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. And I will put my words into his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. And so this is a promise of a greater prophet yet to come. And and it's a promise in some way that every other prophet touches upon and speaks of. So so who are the Old Testament prophets? Think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Obadiah, Joel, Micah, Daniel, all these ones that you don't know, Malachi, Malachi. They speak of many things, obviously, but the thread that runs through them all, the thread that runs through the entire Old Testament is expectation and anticipation of a coming one. Isaiah speaks of a servant of the Lord. Jeremiah of a righteous branch of David's tree. Daniel of a son of man. Ezekiel of the faithful shepherd. What are these but pictures of the one to come? Old Testament prophets, they knew, like Moses knew, that there is a coming one who when he comes, he will speak fully and finally to God's people. And who is this one? It's Jesus. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God spoke in the past through the prophets. Yes, that's Moses and all the rest. But they were anticipating a coming one. And now that coming one has come and it's Jesus. When the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4 says, God sent forth his son born of a woman. This babe born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. This is The prophet that all the prophets prophesied would come. And we know, we know that's the case because scripture tells us. We see it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen as I read Mark 9 for you. You don't have to turn there, but listen as I read Mark 9. Listen to this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. 
And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking there with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Appreciate that honest moment there. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, as incredible as it is that Jesus is transfigured on this mountain, and, and it is incredible. Just put yourself there with Peter. You, you wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> That's actually not the most incredible thing here. What's significant about this text is that Jesus is presented as superior to both Moses and Elijah. Both of these men are present. Both of them behold Jesus radiant before them. Both of them hear the voice of God thunder from above like he did at Sinai when he commissioned Moses. And what does God say? Listen to my son. The spotlight is no longer on Moses and the prophets. The spotlight is on Christ as the prophet. And remember what prophets do. They speak God's word. That's exactly what Jesus does. In Matthew 5 through 7, he goes up on the mountain. He gives God's word to God's people. You know it as the Sermon on the Mountain. This is exactly Jesus doing in his day what Moses did in his. In Exodus 19 and 20, Moses went up to the mountain and then he gives God's word to God's people. This is exactly what Jesus is doing, but Jesus is doing so much more. Listen to me. Every single thing Moses said was always preceded by, thus saith the Lord. Let's not forget Moses was a messenger. Moses was an intermediary between God and the people. Moses, as God's prophet, heard from God and then communicated God's word accurately and authoritatively to the people. But Jesus, he does not say, thus says the Lord. He says, I say to you. You have heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. Again, you have heard it said, on and on he goes, and then he says, but I say to you, over and over and over, Jesus appeals to no one outside of himself. How can he do this? Prophets don't do this. Prophets don't speak on their own authority. They communicate God's word, not their own, but Jesus is communicating his own word. How can that be? It can only be because Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is God himself come in the flesh. In the beginning was the word, John 1.1. 1, 1. 
And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is a prophet, but he is more. He is God himself, the second person of the Trinity. And so if you have ears to hear, hear this. This is a return to the privilege our parents had in the garden. Remember what happened in the garden. God spoke plainly and truly to our parents. He revealed himself to them. They listened to the serpent. And as a result, they were cast out of God's presence. And we with them, hell bound. But here is Jesus, God himself, communicating plainly and truly to anyone who will listen. And do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, your sin has separated you from God like it separated our first parents from Him. Whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you care or not, you are separated from God. You do not have fellowship with Him. You are not His child. Your sins have made a separation between you and Him. But Jesus says, I have come to take care of that separation. I have come to bring you back into the garden of God's presence. I have come to restore all that has been lost and ruined by the fall. I have come to save you from the judgment to come. How can he do this? By offering his life in the place of sinners like you. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So this baby, Jesus, well, hi. I am so glad that you want to hear the word. I am glad. All right, I think your dad's going to help you hear the word back there, and we're all going to hear the word where we are, and that's going to be great. It's good to have the kids with us. Praise God. Bye, sweetie. Praise God. So back with me. How can he offer us a way back into the garden? By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, this baby Jesus, he came on a mission to die on the cross and rise again in order to take upon himself the punishment due for sin. Friends, he came to be crushed so you don't have to be crushed. He came to be judged so you don't have to be judged. He came to die so you don't have to die. This is unreal if you're hearing my voice. 
Not only in Jesus do you hear God himself speak, the words you hear him speak are words offering life. And so why should you listen? You should listen because everything he said would happen has happened. In the Old Testament, a false prophet was outed as a false prophet if what he said didn't come to pass. Jesus said over and over and over, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. The empty tomb is why you should listen. The empty tomb is why you should listen. And so the question you should ask yourself this morning is, who am I listening to? Am I listening to the voice of Jesus, who, by the way, still speaks? Jesus is speaking now through this preached word. And Jesus speaks through his written word, the Bible. Jesus speaks now. And so the question is, are you listening to Jesus or are you listening to someone else? There are so many voices in the world. (laughs) There's, There's your own voice. I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's true. You have tons of different thoughts and feelings that are constantly communicating something to you inside your own head and heart. There's your own voice. There's the voices of those who are close to you, your friends, parents, your mentors, your work associates. There's the voice of of culture and entertainment and trends and media. So many voices communicating so many things, some of them in line with the voice of Jesus, some of them in line with the voice of the serpent. What has your ear? What what are you listening to? If you're here as a non-Christian, let me just tell you, That through whatever means he can, the serpent is whispering the same lies to you that he whispered to our first parents in the garden. First of all, he's communicating half-truths to you. Not everything Satan says is untrue. One of the main things that he says is that sin is pleasurable. Life on your own terms is pleasurable. Giving expression to your impulses is pleasurable. And certainly, hello, Captain Obvious, that's true. There would be no pull towards sin if it wasn't pleasurable. But remember, Satan shows the bait and hides the hook. The wages of sin is death. He wants you to enjoy your life all the way to hell. Oh, if he can keep you satisfied with sinful pleasures, he has won the day. Second, and related to the first, he is somehow saying to you that life apart from God is better. Life apart from God is better than life with God. Remember, his whole appeal to our parents in the garden was, God just doesn't want you to have the good stuff. I'm offering you the good stuff, whatever the good stuff is. He is a master at making you think that God is an unlovely, harsh, 
impersonal, unfriendly, unreasonable God. And third, he appeals to a powerful impulse inside all of us. And that's an impulse towards human autonomy. Be your own God. And so he actually makes you think you're just your own person and you're free to live life however you'd like. But that's a lie. God created you. God has rights over you. This idea that nobody's in charge of you but you is a lie. And it will be unmasked in a coming day. But friends, I hope it's unmasked for you today. I hope all of these things become unmasked for you today. I hope today you hear the voice of Jesus reveal these lies as lies. Reveal God as good. And Him, Jesus, as willing to take the punishment you deserve upon Himself on the cross so that you can be forgiven and reconciled to God. Listen to the voice of Jesus this morning. And friends, I call on you not to tarry. Don't believe the lie of the serpent that you don't have to make a decision about this. Or you don't have to make the decision now. You you don't know when or how your end will be. You may not have another chance. And honestly, his real goal is just to lull you into permanent inaction forever. He doesn't care if you live to 85, if you just do nothing. Respond to the offer of Jesus this morning. You can. You can turn from your sin, you can trust in the Lord Jesus, and you can be forgiven. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to become a Christian, please find me after the service. Please find any one of our elders or just a member at Redeeming Grace Church. Any of us would love to talk to you about this. But speaking of Redeeming Grace Church, I do want to speak just a word to you, my brothers and sisters. I want to remind you that listening to the voice of Jesus is a lifelong call. It is a lifelong call. It takes effort. It's not automatic. Satan does not stop whispering to you when you put your trust in Christ. In fact, he starts whispering louder because he wants to wreck you. I am burdened for you, brothers and sisters, if you are apathetic or complacent or groggy or lukewarm or indifferent to the glorious and beautiful words of Jesus Christ. I am burdened for you, brothers and sisters, if you come to church because it's just what you do and you're not coming expectant to hear from God. I am burdened for you if you don't straighten your shoulders and sing. I am burdened for you if you have little interest in praying with your brothers. I am burdened for you if you put in little effort into the things of God, but great effort into your hobbies and are not excited for the things of God. I am burdened for you. 
I am burdened for you because just because you're part of the church doesn't mean you're listening to Jesus at all. Jesus' word is the foundation for all of life from the beginning to the end. Peter recognized this. When the going got tough, what did he say? Where shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. I'm with you. Jesus' word is what builds up the church. Jesus' word is what will judge us on the last day. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, we have got to keep listening. You need the word of God. You need to keep hearing the word of God. It may be that some of you need to do some business with God this morning. Perhaps your ears are clogged with all sorts of messages and conflicting desires and confused priorities. Perhaps sin, like a camel, has put its nose under the tent and it's beginning to barge in. Perhaps you filled your mind and your time with worthless noise on Hulu or social media. Perhaps it's your own voice you're listening to, telling yourself any number of untrue things. Come back to the fountain of grace this morning, beloved. Listen. Listen to the words of Jesus. He speaks words of life. Listen to him. Today. Every day. Listen to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the prophet. But you are more than the prophet. You are God in the flesh. Come down to speak to us directly like the Father did in the garden. Come down to bring us back to the garden, in fact, when our sins have separated us from you. Thank you, Father, for this privilege. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Spirit, for applying the work of Jesus to our heart. And, oh, we ask that we would be attentive to your word today and every day. Listen, Father, we want to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen.